and the topic for today's episode is on male sexual abuse and assault. Often the male voice is silenced on this topic, and I'm grateful to have a male survivor on today to share his voice and his insights on this subject. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. Your son has a much higher chance of being sexually assaulted than he does of being falsely accused of sexual assault. A much, much higher chance. Rachel Denhollander. Victor, thank you so much for uh, being willing to talk about like such a hard subject. I'm grateful to have a male uh, survivor's perspective on this. So thank you so much for being willing to even talk about this. So share with us, Victor, just whatever you feel comfortable sharing with us, just share with us a little bit about your story and your background. Okay. Um, well, my background is, uh, I am the youngest of six. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that being born in a big family, you are just either seen as someone to grow up and be like, or, uh, someone who, uh, can be forgotten about or find a way to like stand out in the midst of being in such a big family. Um, my family was a church going family. Uh, we were born and raised in the church. Um, I think the only ones who weren't born in the going into church were probably my oldest sisters. Um, and the church that we were raised in was a theology of health, wealth and prosperity um, so like the name it and claim it kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a very much, uh, if you do this, God will do this for you. Um, like you had if, to earn your salvation type of earn thing. it. And at the same time, um, continue to protect it by your works and by your giving. Um, and if you have enough faith, you can, uh, avoid sickness or you can right, right. Uh, become very successful and so on and so forth. And for me, um, growing up, that was not the case for my family. We were uh, very much poor and um, death was happening in our Christian family. Um, so it was just one of those things that I felt like God was very distant or this God that was being preached to us was very distant. Um, so fast forward to a couple years. Um, yeah. The whole reason I'm on this podcast, uh, I was a kid. How old do you remember how old you were? <sighs> like eight. I, I would say, it must have been no older than seven. Okay. Um, I had gotten lost in a mall and I ran to a bathroom and um, was looking for help. I went after, asked for help from an adult. Um, and that's when that adult said, well, I'll help you, but you have to help me first. 
and that's when I was assaulted. Mm. Um, it was something that frightened me, and you know, I ran out and immediately told um, someone about it, and with tears in my eyes and everything like that. And the response to it was, uh, "Boys don't cry. Stop crying." Uh, oh my gosh so i i immediately learned to stay quiet about it and um that wasn't the first time that that happened uh growing up i being in a big family you you constantly have family members in and out of your house and uh, i had a girl cousin um who took me to a closet and um yeah just assaulted you assaulted me there too um so and that was before the uh that was before okay so um the stranger in the bathroom was the second assault yeah so there's two things that i can remember happening and one i think i downplayed because it was family and because it was a girl for the longest time. I just thought it was not such a big deal until I was an adult and realized that it was not okay what happened. And um, there was a reason that it was hidden and in the darkness was because it was not meant to be out in the open. And yeah, it was just one of those things that quickly... As you grow up, you start realizing and putting things together and realizing that stuff doesn't fit together and that it wasn't okay. Um, So, yeah, grew up. And those two, specifically the one in the mall, really impacted me. And um, I, I suffered through anxiety and depression and still do to this point. Um... I remember. I can remember. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to uh, ask you this before we. I lost the thought. I remember speaking to you prior to this, and uh, you telling me that you and I don't want to put words in your mouth that you were more impacted by the response that you got to the assault than the actual assault. And I just wanted to speak on that because that's a huge issue when people come forward and either are told to be silenced or aren't believed that is another secondary abuse almost mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to have happen and I wanted to uh, have you speak on your experience with that yeah so for one the the disbelief was pretty impactful because you know you you go to someone who is meant to protect you and Instead of protecting you, they silence you. Um, That really does something to a child's mind where you are being open and honest about something and you're told to stop crying and basically kind of dismissed. Um, But that wasn't the first time or last time that that had happened. Um, I admitted someone asked me like, well, you know, 
why why are you like this in certain situations why do certain things bother you and i remember admitting it to a friend when i was a teenager and you know he he went on to say oh well um you know this is i guess this is the term is a little bit derogatory but he called me a faggot and yeah. uh, well honestly told- that's that's one of the huge myths about it. Yeah, and he said that I let it happen to me. Um, so both responses to males kind of made me jaded and kind of instead of wanting to look like someone who was weak, I began to try to be the tough guy and tried to um counteract this thing that was labeled on me as quickly as I could and the thing that would make sense is being violent and being someone who pursued women and had a girlfriend whenever he could get a girlfriend and just have that type of relationship where everything that I was being labeled as was demystified. I was tough. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't fall in the category of um, being that. And then at the same time, um, yeah, I just wanted to counteract anything that was a weakened label for me. Um, so, so yeah. So, you just like talking right now and the way that you're responded to by males is that a just boys don't cry. Don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, just push, you know, push it under the rug. It's no big deal. You're get over it. Or you're gay and you're somehow responsible for the uh, your abuser's actions. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, the reason I'm bringing that up is because. In your opinion. Do you think that that's. I mean, and I would almost say it's pretty obvious that that's one of the main reasons that men have a harder time, like speaking out about it is because of the labels that get put on them or the responses that they have. Well, I think it it really has to come down to um, what society as in a whole see like labels, uh, manhood and manliness. Like you can't, you can't look weak. You can't look vulnerable um, especially in the Latino community, uh, you need to be a macho. You need to be the guy who doesn't cry. You need to be the guy who, if he does cry, he has sunglasses over his eyes to block that from anyone. You can't show vulnerability. Um, so I know that this isn't just in the Hispanic community, but that there's many things that are told to us as men that we need to be that you know, doesn't really fall in line with, you know, now as a Christian man, I see what uh, a true man is supposed to be. Yeah, when really you were a child who needed help Mm -hmm. and you, (laughs) you know what I mean? went to people who should have been protecting you and helping you and making you feel safe after you've been violated and 
it was yeah. more like even more burden on you that somehow that was your fault or that you just couldn't even share that. I can't imagine or that you were somehow child gay what that would feel like somehow gay because of it or mm-hmm. somehow not as manly yeah. as whatever. And and I mean the, the thing is like I still very much dealt with it and I I would try my best to um numb myself as much as I could. So throughout my life I've I've also very much battled with addictions Mm -hmm. and um just very different things like just wanting to forget and wanting to have control over something and sorry sorry to interrupt yeah victor but um so because of the way that you responded to you never you self like medicated instead of getting like professional help right so that yeah that's one of the things too that's so tough is the way that people respond is you needed help. Mm -hmm. You needed help from, you know, your family's just support and you needed a professional trauma counselor's support. Right. And that's one of the saddest things specifically in the male abuse category is that they get the least amount of help Mm -hmm. and often turn to uh, yeah, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, whatever, anything, food, anything that makes that, bad feeling go away because that's basically Mm -hmm. what you were told like you're having this feeling and you need to make it go away so that's the coping skill that you develop because that's kind of what you were told to do what do you like on that same subject what do you if you could go back there what do you wish how what ways would you have wished that you were supported in like tangible ways so one of the things that you know as you guys were talking about trauma counseling and stuff like that I think that another thing that crosses a lot of people in lower income areas is thinking that that kind of help is Mm -hmm. too expensive Mm -hmm. or unavailable to them, Um, that it is something that's only accessible to uh, certain races and certain economic um, backgrounds versus everybody. And I think that one of the biggest things is having a support system to walk through that with you um, that would allow you to be vulnerable and allow you to know that you're not alone in it all. Um, Because I think that that's the biggest thing as, as, as a survivor, you, you, you definitely see yourself as just one of the few versus one of the many. And that's the thing that, as you guys continue to uh, share stats, I, I become more and more aware of um, that this isn't just a coincidence or this isn't just something um, that happened to me, but this is something that happens to mm-hmm. a lot of males. And the biggest thing I think is um, I, I wish there was more vulnerability in this um, subject with other males because there's a lot more people um, who are being silent or who are turning to other mm-hmm. things or who are um, allowing themselves to be portrayed as the macho man when deep inside they are aching mm-hmm. and hurting right. and They're trying just a, to navigate. They just need this. help and healing just like any other survivor. Right. Yep. Uh, you touched yep. a little bit on this in the beginning of your story about uh, the church that you grew up in it being more kind of mm-hmm. a name it and claim it. Am I saying that? wrong how would you describe the church that you went to 
Yeah, I mean, like it, prosperity it, gospel. I, 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 I don't want want to say all of them are the same way, but there is something that has always been difficult for me um, as someone who has suffered a ton in my life. That um, if if religion was the answer to suffering. Um, then then what about the apostles who suffered and what about the people in the bible who have gone through these things um so i feel like this 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 theology of if you do this you'll be protected and guarded is is very much difficult um to be a survivor in because you feel like you're not doing right, you're enough. putting the blame on yourself because is it Are, yeah sorry, you're, you're, is it the idea that if you do good things god's going to give you good things like in return right and yeah, so and if, if good if things are coming too, like you're, you're and it's like well who am i then i must not be worthy or i must not be yeah. doing enough or some i'm an illegitimate child right. is what i felt is like i i either god doesn't like me or he doesn't exist was what i believed mm. and i think that as a whole the church has really done a bad job at not just this specific theology, but um, the capital C church has never really talked about sex and sexual abuse. I know. Yeah. All, all these things all together, like in a way that's truly appropriate. Like I think that in a lot of ways, the church is also fed into the idea of it is my fault because um you know, I think about youth groups and how uh, guys are separated from girls and they're talked about porn addiction with. And then the girls are told to be modest because if you're not modest, you're going to cause your brother mm-hmm. to stumble. Right. And it's one of those things that um, makes the girl feel responsible if believe. something happens right. to her. Absolutely. Yeah, if something mm-hmm. were to happen to her. And that's a thing that like has been allowed yeah. for the longest time in churches. I, I couldn't agree so. more. Um, I would love to see the church preach on sexual assault. There is mm-hmm. many, and I mean, not just one, many stories in the Bible about sexual assault mm-hmm. and many stories that we've uh, been told um, that it's been preached to us all the time and it's just never even brought up. Right. And so yeah. that's something that I think our culture needs to change. The church culture needs to change that we need to be talking about that, because if God put it in the Bible, he never meant for that to be silenced. And for whatever reason, we've decided what God wants to say and what God doesn't want to say. When really in the Bible, it's talked about and there's millions of hurting survivors that would love to just know that God had. It was so important to God and cares about us so much that he put it in the Bible several times, right? And it wasn't meant to be mm-hmm. silenced. But um, to go back to what I was going to say um, earlier was, so since you grew up with that theology of either God doesn't like me or he doesn't exist, where was God in this journey of your life with the abuse? Uh, well, at that point, he wasn't there. Um, he wasn't there with me um, during the suffering is what I believed and what I thought. Um, it took me, a, um, 
almost 18 years or, or, or a little bit less um, for me to get a, a view of God with God being there with me during my suffering. Okay. Um, that even though this happened, he was never not present. Um, he was never turning a blind eye, but instead he still protected me um, from further things happening to me. Even though this one thing was damaging, he still allowed me to be protected. And he also is grieved mm -hmm. by this. It's not something that God looks and just bats his eyes at and says, well, this is how my creation is. It's so messed up and wrecked. No, he... He is very much present with us. And the reason I know this is because, I mean, this is the Bible. He sent his son in order to save us, the broken sinners and the people who have been getting sent, sent against. Like, he's setting us free. And I think that's the thing like that I didn't understand as a kid, because what I had un understood was I needed to do this in order for him to be mm -hmm. present and, that's completely opposite of what is true. And the truth is he's with us regardless of how much we yeah. give and regardless of even our church attendance, God is present with his children because that, that, that's what he, that's, that's what we are as children. And just like any good parent would do, like he wouldn't abandon his kid to, suffer or, or be without a meal or be without X, Y, and Z. And I think that that's the thing that I understand now. But at that point in my life, I felt like I was alone and that he didn't care and that it was better off for me to um, live life by uh, just my own will and my own strength in order to accomplish things. And yeah, that just led me to more depression and more right. pain. So I had a, a, a pastor speak. I went to a conference, a sexual assault conference a couple months ago, <clears throat> and I had a pastor speak on, you know, where God is and abuse. And it just was coming, playing through my head when you were talking right now. And he was saying, you know, when you're sinned against, and when you're abused, you're God's child, and he is angrier about that sin than you are. Like, you're mm -hmm. outraged, right? God's even angrier. And he cares and will get justice for that, either on the cross if that person repents or in heaven or hell, right? So you, God is getting justice for that for you. And then out of understanding how angry God is, and how he is fighting for justice for you and will get justice for you, the fruit of understanding those two things is forgiveness, right? I loved that. Yeah. And I just love that for people listening to know, because I know that the God issue is huge mm -hmm. in these kind of things, right? And I think it's important for people to know so, Victor, how do you think that the church can better support male, like specifically male survivors? Listening to them when it comes up and not trying to find a way to get out of an awkward situation. Um, 
there's churches that um, offer counseling within the church or different types of groups, but I feel like in this situation, they should allow a professional who has um, experienced dealing with trauma and Absolutely. the ability to understand triggers and different things like that to step in there and um, not feel like praying this away or um, giving them the gospel, which is a good thing. Um, but in certain situations, trauma is there. There's something more needed when it comes right. down to trauma. It can't mm -hmm. just be trauma. Uh, yeah. Trauma is hopeful thing. Right. Trauma is tricky because you can create more trauma in some, a trauma, uh, you know, a survivor, a trauma victim by not knowing how to handle it. And I think there's a lot of like good intended people sometimes in the church that are thinking that they're doing, you know, coming with it with a good heart. Right. Mm -hmm. But they don't know what they're doing. And it's very complex and can end up causing more harm than hurting. And so that whole just being supported in church, you know, with like, yes, like speak those truths to me, like share the gospel with me. Cause yeah, absolutely. Jesus is who heals, but also support me and help me with resources into finding a trauma counselor. Well, Cause trauma affects your brain and your body and in some pretty massive ways and it changes the way that you can uh, like hear things you know so maybe something that was good intention it doesn't hit that same way as it maybe would be when you're not in a trauma experience and having someone that really understands what trauma is is so I think so important so could I ask though for so we're talking about how the church can support, but what about just as an individual, as a friend, as a family member, a sister, whatever, how, how can someone, um, as a, like a person that a survivor is sharing with support them when they respond? I think more than anything, listening is like the biggest thing. I, 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 I fall victim to this, um, and, always trying to have something to say um, after something is told to me, after something shared to me, I, I get long winded and want to give them a big, heavy response. And in reality, that doesn't really help. It doesn't really um, extinguish the fire. You have to listen and you have to be present and you have to let the person know that they're not in this alone and that you're willing to help them. Um, like if anything, just being willing to, say hey you know what like yes like this is horrible and this is something that i don't think should only stay in between me and you mm -hmm. um, we should look for someone who can help you and there's christian counselors who specialize in trauma sure. as well yeah, it's yeah. not just it's not just something like i'm not going to say that the church doesn't have any say in this. No, there is, but there's specific people that need to be brought in versus just your pastor. Like, right. And I think that that's one of those things like we, we have to be okay with not being the savior. We're right. not going to fix the situation with, um, good quotes or, uh, 
Absolutely. versus out of context. It's going to be um, our presence and our ability to walk with people through these devastating things mm-hmm. um, to point them to help and to point them to something um, that is needed. And I think that, you know, not only sexual assault, but just like mental health in general is something that people just think that they're capable of fixing and they can't. And, and I think that's why many people turn to other things because they find some form of comfort in that. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a dry well, you can keep on pulling from it, but eventually you're going to realize I haven't found anything to really quench whatever this is. So I know as a female survivor, just having people like when I if someone finds out for the first time, say you're my friend, just treating me the same, like Mm -hmm. not treating me like a project or like not being able to look me in the eye or just not talking to me at all. I know for me as a female survivor, like that's something that has been hurtful to me is just feeling like, oh, now I'm some project to them or broken in some way or you're difficult i'm difficult your emotions might be too difficult too messy and i could imagine for men like everything that we've been talking about just all the like shame that gets put on a man um that is coming forward that that would i don't know i don't want to put words in your mouth but would you say something like that as well like just treating like being your normal friend after finding out yeah i mean You, you you never know what being a good friend will do for somebody. Like, you hear so many stories of different situations. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, we're, we are supposed to restore humanity to those who feel unhuman or 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 like dehumanized by either a situation that they're in or like their socioeconomic structure or their race or their gender or sexuality even like mm-hmm. there's so many things that i think as people as christians and as, as as just people in general that we we could be doing differently um to let them know hey i still acknowledge you as this human being and I still want the best for you and I don't have to give you all these things in order for me to be a good friend. I just have to be there for you. Yeah. Just accept me and all my messiness. Just like, Hey, guess what? Everyone's messy. I love what you said earlier about being present. Like when someone's sharing that with you and listening to them, but to also be present, I just thought that that like, that clicked in my mind like that's so important is to be present in that moment to be truly listening to them and to be staying in that moment with them and continuing that journey right alongside them I thought that that was um just really uh, profound yeah profound (laughs) there's a good word I couldn't find the word but Kathy found it. <laughs> well, Victor, we appreciate you coming. And at the end of our episodes, we like to end on a hopeful, hopeful note for anybody that's listening that may uh, be a survivor themselves or have a loved one that's a survivor. Mm-hmm. So 
my final question will be, um, what hope do you have for any male survivor that is listening? Um, my hope for you is that you feel the courage um, and not only feel the courage, but you um, get the response of a friend who is willing to walk through this with you. Um, if it is in the church, you know, that's great. Having Christian community around you, that's, that's, that's such a, a, a needed thing. But I can think of many of my friends who listened and grieved and cried with me um, about these things. And um, even those who have hurt you, like people who didn't believe you and you're able to work this, this thing out. Don't, don't hold it against them. Don't, don't allow your bitterness towards the situation and towards them to become, um, something that adds to your discomfort and your own pain. Like really, really try to allow yourself to heal. And forgiveness is one of those things. Um, that I've extended to the person who instead of tending to my tears, he um, told me to stop crying. So it's one of those things that I really would, would suggest is like, yeah, look for somebody who you can confide in and trust in and, you know, the hope, too, is that you're not alone. You're not alone. And, and and I know it feels lonely and I know it feels confusing and you want answers and you're asking yourself, why me? But in reality, you're, you're unfortunately, you're not the only one that goes through these things and that you're not the only one hurting over this and there's more of us out there who are willing to open up about this. And I hope that with my opening up, you feel like you can open up as well. Victor, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your story and I know it's not like the easiest thing to do or the most comfortable and it takes so much courage and strength to stand up and say this is my story this has been my experience um this is what I'm doing even still to heal and things that I'm working through and I just think it is so so valuable it's valuable to me um and it's valuable to others and especially other survivors to hear you put words to some of their feelings and words to experiences that maybe they haven't been able to have the strength to find or they haven't had the support yet. And so it's my prayer that through this, through you sharing your story, that they will be able to start to get that support and to find their voice to speak out and that others, even more people can come alongside and say, you know, I, I'm here too. Um, you're not alone. And that, that will just have like a ripple effect. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Victor. And um, we'll have some resources on our show notes um, specific for men. Um, so some of the websites are one in six. So the number one in the number six dot org 
malesurvivor.org. We will also have other resources posted to our Instagram page. And for any survivor listening, what happened to you was an awful sin and it was a crime and it wasn't your fault and you didn't deserve it. Um, You are worthy of love and you're worthy of good things. And if you have not received help, I encourage you to reach out to the resources above, um, the resources in the show notes, and go see a counselor who specializes in trauma and find your safe people, um, people that you can talk to that can stand alongside you to support you through your healing. And so you can connect with us on our Instagram, which is talking about the no-nos. You can email us at talkingaboutthenonos at gmail.com. And we end every show with telling people, find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with. Absolutely.